Hi guys, it's Tats here from Castagra, and you're listening to Specify, the Building Materials Innovation Podcast. The goal of this podcast is to help the entrepreneurs and the innovators who are making a positive difference in the building materials, coatings, and construction industry. Each episode, we'll tap leaders and experts from inside and outside the industry to provide the mental tools, skills, and insights to make an impact. Today's guest is Tom Reber, the co-founder of the Contractor Sales Academy and the host of the Contractor Fight podcast. The Contractor Fight is a movement of home-improving contractors who are taking back control of their businesses and fattening their wallets. Tom, thanks for coming on the show. Cass, thanks for having me, man. I've been excited to talk to you. Yeah, I know. I just covered a little bit about what you do. Tell me more about your background, Tom. Yeah, so I started out, I grew up in the trades. You know, I had a dad who was a tile guy. My uncle's a painter, worked on and off with both of them, got out of the Marines, worked for my uncle some more, ended up starting my own painting business. Grew that pretty quickly in the early days. Fast forward almost a decade, sold my half of the company. And now I help contractors in various trades all over the world make more money and get their lives back. And build a business they could be proud of. And and I do that mainly through speaking engagements to either keynotes and associations and private workshops and stuff like that among various coaching programs that we have in the contractor site. Very cool. Now, was that transition going from sort of owning a sort of contracting type business to to coaching, sort of a natural one? How did that happen? Well, I've, I've always been a coach. I actually, I also coach high school football. I've done that ah. for about 17 years. And, and so it's always been in my, in my blood to coach and have an impact and help people. And, and what had happened is we'd done some nice things in our company and people started tapping me on the shoulder, asking me to speak in an event. And another guy tapped on me on the shoulder and said, Hey, can you coach me? And it was just the time in my life. I felt I was ready for a transition. I wanted to have a what I felt at the time and still believe a, a bigger impact in the world. And so here we are, you know, it was, so it was a pretty, pretty good transition overall. Very cool. So it was a very natural transition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. Now. Okay. So you've been doing this for a while. So you've seen what, what contractors face in terms of day-to-day challenges. Describe some of the key ones that you run across all the time. Well, right out of the gate is, You've got guys that are amazing at the craft, but truth be told, they struggle on the business side because they haven't put the time in to really understand everything from you know how to market their business to their numbers to how to build a team and stuff like that. And, and these are really good men and women that care deeply about what they do. They're trying to do the right thing, but the biggest struggle by far is that they're not making the type of money that they should be making. In fact, you know, since 2012, I've been working with contractors in all industries all over the place. And it blows people's minds when they figure out, when they really learn how much a contractor is not making. And so that's, you know, I think one of the mission that I have with the contractor fight, first and foremost, is to bring respect and dignity back to the trades because our, you know, I just think that a lot of people view the trades as a, as just a fallback option, or you didn't have what it takes to go to college or whatever it might be. And and so part of bringing dignity and respect back is helping guys make what they're truly worth. And so that's by far the biggest issue. Okay. So you said, okay, they're not making what they're worth. Like, what's an example of someone you ran across that, you know, maybe outwardly everyone thought it was doing well, but 
without going into too much specifics, but yeah. in sort of in behind the scenes, they're really struggling and, and doing much worse than people thought. Yeah. And, I, and certainly I don't want to paint a picture like going into the trades is a bad thing. I think it's a great thing. And I think it's, yeah. a, it's a great way to build a career and build your life and support your family and create a legacy. But we see it a lot of times, people come into our programs, they'll have a million dollar business and they're paying themselves 60 grand a year. Yeah. And then they get there because they don't truly understand what it costs to run the business every day. They, they make sure everybody else gets paid and then they're left with whatever's left over. And, and oftentimes it's not enough. And, and so we help them really identify where those problems are. And in our program, we call it getting oxygen, right? You're on the airplane, oxygen mask comes down. If you can't breathe, you're no good to anybody else. And so I have a, just a fundamental basic belief that our, our first responsibility is make sure that we're getting all the oxygen we can, all the profit that we can, because profit is a good thing for everybody. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you, you listed out a, a bunch of different areas where contractors sort of have challenges. What's one that comes up the most often? Or which one do you kind of kind of look at very first if someone comes to you? Well, we, we do a lot with mindset. So the first step mm-hmm. when we work with somebody is we take them through a process that I call own your crap. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and really, what's the crap between your ears that is causing you to not have the business, not have the life that you want to have? And usually it's some deep-rooted, deep-seated belief about money or their own value. Or maybe uh, they procrastinate in some of the things that they know that it's going to take to have the success they want. So we really dig there. You know, I, I found that, you know, work with thousands of contractors over the years. And my team and I have, have found that this whole contracting business thing is about 10% math and about 90% what's between your ears. Mm. And so that's where we dig in is we really help them develop. A lot of guys will wake up in the morning and they'll just go reactive mode. You know what I mean? Mm. Just what, what's the day going to throw in my face? And we really try to get in your head, help people have that mentality of identifying, hey, what are the high impact activities, the high impact tasks, non-negotiable type things each and every day that I need to take control of that are going to move the ball forward? And we'll see a guy who goes, you know, we have one guy that we worked with. He started in our program in 2015, been in business 18, 20 years, never had more than 2,500 bucks in his business checking account. Mm-hmm. Was paying himself sixty seven sixty seventy thousand dollars a year. That was twenty fifteen, and by the end of twenty eighteen, he paid himself four hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. And so, and and if you asked him, it would be he simply got his mindset in order, and that that started with just really getting open and honest with why he wasn't having the results that he wanted to have in his business. And if it could have been a contracting business, it could have been a hot dog stand. Yeah. End of the day, if we don't deal with what's going on between our ears we're never going to reach the potential that we have and the goals that we have. And so we always start there. That is, that is by far, that whole mindset thing leads to not making enough money and all the other issues guys have. Yeah. Where do they need to get to, to sort of take that all in? I mean, obviously the first steps for them to come to you, but what mm-hmm. else do they need to do? I mean, they, they air out some of their stuff with you and how do you start to get them to take ownership? Well, everyone has their own why. Mm-hmm. And we've worked mm-hmm. with people. People have come to us and they say they want to change and grow and develop and they don't. They, mm-hmm. There's a lot. It's, it's a lot like the New Year's resolution to get in shape. Oh, yeah. A lot of people are fast starters. A lot of people come out of the gate strong, but we really work to help them create daily habits 
and disciplines and things like that that are just low-hanging fruit that are going to get them a lot of quick wins early. I find that the, the faster we can get somebody a win out of the gate, it creates momentum and it just makes makes them hungrier for more success. Very cool. Now, the contractors that, okay, they make that transition, they get to a point where they want to get to, like, obviously, these, these contractors are going to continue to push themselves and, and sort of innovate themselves. What are the most innovative contractors or, or people in the industry that, that you sort of see? What do they do? What do they do different? <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great question. They learn how to say no. Mm. And, and that's, that's been a huge struggle. And it was a struggle for me. And I owned a painting company for a number of years and some other stuff that I was a part of. And, and our tendency is we start this thing. I went out and I bought a van and I bought a, a ladder. And I think I got a van and a ladder off my uncle for 1400 bucks, some beater van. And I, next thing I know, I'm in business because I wanted to feed my two-year-old kid at the time. Yeah. And I started slinging paint on houses and businesses and things like that. Next thing you know, three years later, I'm doing 300 jobs a year and I have a real company. And so a lot of us, we just come out of the gate with that need to take care of our families. Yeah. And so we just say yes to everything. Yeah. And you never really take the time to understand who's a good fit for you and what kind of projects are, your, are in your wheelhouse. It's very rare that somebody starts a business with those things in mind. And so the most successful people, they're saying no. And so one example of that would be one of the things that we teach our contractors in our sales academy is don't just drop what you're doing and run out every time somebody wants an estimate. Yeah. That you have to take control of the sales process. And I, I would say out of all the things, this is blocking and tackling. It's just like football. The guys that block and tackle better typically win the game. Yeah. And in a, in a contracting business, the blocking and tackling really comes down to first and foremost, you got to, you have to take control right out of the gate and realize that people called you because you're the expert. And so it's kind of like the example I always use is like the knee surgeon, right? If you're going to go have knee surgery, you usually have like Tom Cruise, top gun type surgeon walk in the room and he tells you how things are going to go because <laughs> he's the expert. Hey, this is what we're going to do. And you're going to do this and I'm going to do this. And you're, you're gonna, here's the, what you're going to do for three weeks after the surgery. And there's a confidence there. Mm -hmm. And so the guys that are really crushing it are the ones that really understand that they're an expert. And so they, they say no to the wrong opportunities. They take control of the sales process. And then another big factor that kind of builds this all together is, is the most innovative guys are creating content on a regular basis. Mm. We live in an amazing time with the internet and social media and those that are shooting videos and creating posts and speaking to groups and educating people. When you educate, you automatically elevate yourself. You position yourself as an expert in your industry. Yeah. And at the end of the day, experts are trusted. They're, they're paid more. They get less, less pushback on things. It's easier to tell people what your process is when you're the expert. Yeah. So I encourage everybody, and I don't care what industry or business you're in, if you're not creating content on a regular basis, you're really, really missing, missing the boat to grow and be profitable and, and have what you hope to have in your business. Yeah. Well, you, it's good you brought up content because I was going to ask you about that. You've been, you've been posting uh, mm -hmm. content for a while now. Can you sort of describe your sort of content journey? Because you have quite, a, quite an audience now, but it wasn't always that way. <laughs> no, in fact, I was telling somebody the other day, I think I, did, I wrote my first 
blog post yeah. for my business now, probably in 2012. Yeah. And it was until it wasn't until about 2016 that anyone gave a crap. <laughs> and and I, I I mean I have hundreds of if you add it all up if you include social media and email marketing I have thousands of pieces of content out there yeah videos podcasts social media posts where I often wondered if anyone was paying attention and what I've realized if there were one thing that I did right and I I would encourage anybody who's whether you're an architect you sell products whatever it is your contractor. If you just trust the process and play the long game, yep. it's going to pay off. And that's, that's the one thing I made a lot of mistakes, but the one thing I've done right is I kept showing up mm-hmm. and I, I think of it like you have a river and it, and it, the river always beats the rock in the middle of the river. Mm-hmm. It might take a thousand years, but the water keeps showing up and yeah. wears the rock down. And that's, that's in essence what I, what I did. And, and a lot of times people will, they'll create a, video or a blog or they'll put some out there and nobody will like it. Nobody will share it. Nobody will watch it. And so they quit. And, and that, that's a big mistake. And so I've been creating content for years on everything from how to price your work to how to build your team, to how to get your thinking straight, everything on marketing and sales and, and just giving away everything in my head for years for free. Mm-hmm. Because I just, it's just a core mindset of mine is that, the answers are already out there for people and, and there's uh, there's enough for everybody, but not everyone's going to resonate with me. Not everyone's going to resonate with you, but when you and I are both creating the content, we are, we're going to help a bunch of people. And so back to Zig Ziglar, you know, you help enough people get what they want and you get what you want. And so, yeah, the content things, uh, it's a marathon. In fact, it's an ultra marathon. <laughs> if you ask me, and, but I also, I want to encourage people that in this, you know, we have a buddy of ours, a friend of mine, Marcus Sheridan. He started as a pool contractor. He's now one of the top Forbes business speakers, marketing speakers in the world. Yeah. Marcus Sheridan International. He does a lot of private events for my group and things like that. And, and we've become friends over the years. And he started writing blogs, just answering the most common questions that people type into Google or the common questions that mm-hmm. he would get when he was on a sales call. And that ended up being the thing that saved his business from going bankrupt during the recession and a bunch of stuff. And now he's this expert traveling around the world, helping thousands of companies and all that. So anyone who's looking to bring somebody in and talk about content marketing and how to really do it, just hop online and and reach out to Marcus. He's the guy. And so I just imitated what he did. You know, you imitate what successful people do. And I think I found him back in like 2010 and... He was some dude that was writing blogs and I'm like, okay, I think I'll start writing blogs. <laughs> and, and the next thing it's like anything else, you just keep showing up, you keep honing your craft, you find your voice. And again, I don't care what industry you're in. I, if you have a tattoo parlor or you have a, you're a paint vendor, private independent paint store somewhere, I guarantee you, you pull out that phone, you start shooting videos, you start educating people. And I think you'll be pleasantly surprised over time how it helps your business grow. Nice. So uh, 2016 was the turning point for you with everything started to come together? Well, that's when the, that's when the content started, I think, really where people kind of started really paying attention and taking me seriously. Yeah. And, and it, it also took, it took longer because there's some fundamental things that I just wasn't doing well. You know, I didn't understand some things. I, yeah. 
And so if I could go back in the Wayback machine, you know, and do it over, it might, it probably would have taken three years instead of five. What what advice would you have given yourself uh, if you went uh, back in time for that? Be more vulnerable Mm. out of the gate. I used to try to hide the fact that I had, I had a bankruptcy because I thought I wouldn't be as impressive to people. So this is part of owning your craft, right? I felt like I was the only guy in the world that had a bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. I felt, you know, I had some head trash growing up when I was a kid. I actually rode, I talked about this in my keynotes and stuff. I rode the short bus in grade school for two years and I was in a special ed class. Mm. And I kind of carried that with me through my life. This belief that I was stupid, that I didn't have what it takes to compete intellectually with people. Mm. And so that kind of really hijacked a lot of success that I, I think I could have had. So if I go back, I would have shared more openly about those things mm-hmm. because what I found is the more I share about what I struggle with or what I hate about my industry or what ticks me off about our industry or I give you another, what ticks me off about my customers, to be honest with you, I do a rant every year in the summer in the contractor fight yeah, where I yell at contractors <laughs> for taking their foot off the, the marketing gas pedal during their busy season. <laughs> And it pisses me off and I let them know. And it's funny, the more vulnerable I get, the more open and honest I am, the more people pay attention and the more my business grows. And so, because I think people are tired of the typical corporate speak yeah. and the, the, I'm doing air quotes now, the professionalism, because you know our lives are messy. Our businesses are messy. Mm-hmm. It's, we all have a plan. And like Mike Tyson says, everyone has a plan to like punch them in the face. <laughs> and that's, we do. We hit the ground running every January with our businesses. And by April, you know, our nose is bleeding, our eye is swollen shut. (laughs) And those are the types of things that people want to hear and they want to relate to. So like I said, I don't care what you're doing. If I'm a painting contractor, then do a video on, do a video on three things that I wish my fellow painting contractors would stop doing. Mm -hmm. And then I'm not saying like name companies and stuff, but I think we need to be a little more bold and honest in our world and not be afraid to be a little polarizing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, everyone wants to hang around the middle, but when you look at the people that have done the most in their businesses and their lives, they're never the people that are in the middle. They're the outliers. They're the ones that are, they're not afraid to stir it up in some way. Yeah. That makes sense. Now, um, what's the best piece of content you put out there or your proudest or whatever, most memorable? Oh man, you got me. (laughs) Nobody's ever asked me that. Um, What stands out? One of the things, and this had nothing to do with business. And this is what's kind of funny about it. I did a, and I don't even know why I wrote this blog, but I wrote a blog years ago about how firing blanks was the best thing that ever happened to me. (laughs) And, and so, and how I built my family through adoption. Mm. And that really humanized me. You know, I'm I'm a Marine. Mm -hmm. And I think I started the the article by saying, you know, one of the worst things you can have when you're a Marine is is when you fire a weapon and live rounds don't go downrange, you know? Mm. And obviously I tied that into building a family and our journey with that. And it humanized me. And it was kind of crazy how many people would reach out to me. And again, it had nothing to do with my coaching business, right? Mm -hmm. But my the point that I was trying to make to people is that people do business with human beings. They don't do business with a corporation. Yeah. Tats, you could work anywhere you're working now and I do business with you and I love you. I like you. I respect you. You could get transferred, fired, whatever it is tomorrow. And I'm following you Yep. because I trust you and there's a relationship there. And so that was really the point of that 
that piece that if you ask me, that's what stands out the most that. And, uh, I do a lot of content where I get fired up and I yell at contractors for doing stupid stuff, <laughs> like sending guys out to a job site without a clear scope of work. And, and I call their, I call them out on where they're failing to deliver a great experience for people. Like everyone wants to make more money, yeah. but you don't deserve the right to have high profits and make more money if you deliver a lame experience. Yeah. And what I found doing thousands and thousands of painting projects through the years as a contractor, nobody ever very rarely did anyone ever give a crap about the actual paint job. Yeah. It was, unless it was atrocious and we didn't have that problem. We, you know, we hardly ever had any callbacks and things like that. And when we did, we'd address it, but it was, how did we communicate with people and what type of people did we put on their property or in their business? And were they normal, happy human beings? Were they, did we communicate well? Did we, it was all the things that, that surrounded the actual project. Yeah. I remember being a young contractor and there was a local, I was brand new in business. There was a local paint store and I went into it and I'm all excited. I started my business and because I wasn't a big established guy, yeah, they kind of blew me off. That sucks. And, and that was part of the experience. Like, and I never forgot that. And I never did business with them. And in fact, they hunted me down years later because I was buying a lot of paint. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I just remembered the way I was treated when I was a nobody. And I just think we spent some time with, with this guy, pretty influential business guy, and a number of years ago. And three or four times I hung out with him at this event that he put on and got to know him okay. And, and I remember every time I left, mm-hmm. hanging out with him for two days, five days, whatever it was, yeah. I would leave feeling like I was the most important person in the world. Yeah. If that makes sense. You ever been with somebody like that? where they just make you feel like you're the most important person in the world. And that's what I mean by the experience. Again, regardless of your industry and and who you're serving, are you connecting with people? Are you making them feel like they're a big deal? Mm -hmm. Are you building them up? Because you you and I know our most important topic to us is ourselves. (laughs) When somebody makes me feel good, they make me feel taller. They make me feel like I want to stand a little prouder. I want to be around that person. I want to do business with that person. And so when I talk about the experience, that's part of what I talk about, that your, your customers, whether they come into your store or you're going onto somebody's job site or whatever it is, you can make your customers feel like they're the only person on the planet right now. You're, you're going to have a lot of good days ahead of you in your company. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, you've helped a lot of contractors out, get their mindset correct and some of their daily mm-hmm. habits. What are your top three habits or routines for success? Well, we kind of talked about the first one a little bit. It's own your craft. Sure. There's no progress without truth. And every day, every day, you got to look in the mirror. You got to be accountable to yourself and, and own your crap. And so what I mean is, you know, I was just talking to one guy said to me recently when we were working on his crap, <laughs> he said, I'm just, I'm just not good at the numbers of my business. Mm. That's why I'm broke. I'm not good at the numbers. I'm not skilled in math. Mm-hmm. And by the time we dug down deep, the real issue is that he had to look in the mirror and admit that he's afraid of being uncomfortable when it comes to learning new things, mm. that he was being lazy and he was avoiding doing the uncomfortable things that it took to succeed. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's owning your crap. It's, you know, the fact that you're, you don't know your numbers, that's just a, that's a, re, a product of what your crap is. Mm-hmm. And so I find the most successful people that we work with, they habitually 
have a, a huge self-awareness. They have thick skin. They welcome criticism. They celebrate it. That's a line we got from Marcus Sheridan on a, on a communication workshop he did for my team mm-hmm. and our company here earlier this year is you need to celebrate criticism because mm-hmm. it's going to make you better. So, and you can only do that if you're truly just going, yeah, my bad. This is where I'm blowing it. And for other people, it's they've carried around this baggage that they're just never enough. Mm-hmm. And they need to deal with that. They need to talk to somebody. They need to do whatever it takes to really own that and then do something about it. That's, that's the first thing. The second thing would be what I call, we call in our training, walking into the punch. <laughs> so if you haven't noticed, everything I do is a little aggressive. <laughs> By club, yeah, no, I get it. Um, yeah. But so, you know, one of the big turning points for me was there was a nonprofit event put on by a billionaire and a bunch of other super impressive guys that own a bunch of big companies we've all heard of. And I had the honor, one of my best friends I grew up with was on a board of theirs. And he invited me to speak at this event and be part of some breakout sessions and for a nonprofit they all put on. And two years, two or three years in a row, he invited me to come. And for two and two or three years, I made an excuse of why I couldn't go. Mm. And the excuse was, and this was, this was my crap, is I thought I was stupid. I rode the short bus. And make a long story short, this event was held in the education space. Mm. And so every time he asked me, I pictured myself standing on front of a stage in front of a bunch of smart people. Mm-hmm. And I was intimidated. I just, I had this lack of confidence and whatever you want to call it. And then one year he invited me. And I remember just, I, I remember thinking back to one of the concepts that we learned in the Marine Corps and hand-to-hand fighting and things like that was, if not that I would do this, but Tats, if I'm going to punch you in the face, the last thing you want is for my punch to get to full force. Mm-hmm. And so most people run away from the punch. Mm-hmm. Well, when you run into the punch, you're still going to get hit, but the punch is never going to fully extend to full power. Mm. So if I see that you're going to punch me, I'm going to close the distance and minimize the impact that the punch has. And I, this all went through my mind and I'm like, okay, well, how can I run into the punch with this current situation? Because I've said no two or three years in a row. He keeps asking me to go. And so I said, I'm going to run into the punch. So I went there, I got on stage and I, I just was like, Hey, I just want to be upfront and honest with you guys. I'm like the only guy in the room, you know, that didn't, I rode the short bus. I didn't go, I dropped out of college, barely squeaked through high school and I just owned it. And, and it was funny throughout the week long event, I had numerous guys come up to me saying it was, it was actually, it was refreshing to see a guy not so impressive talk to them. (laughs) (laughs) And it really helped them actually. and gave them some clarity of some things that they wanted in their life. And I, I felt great about that. Well, then at the end of that week, I got invited to sit in on the board of directors meeting. They were talking about marketing their event again for the next year. And we're almost done with the meeting. And one of the guys at the table says, well, Tom, you're new here. It's first time here. What would you do? What are you thinking? What would you to mark, do to market the event? Yeah. And in about 45 seconds to a minute, I shared my thoughts and I shut up. And the billionaire guy who leads the thing, he looked at his, his assistant and he said, do we have the capability to do what he just said? And they said, yeah, we could do all that. And he says, okay, let's do that meeting adjourned. They all got up and walked away. Awesome. And I remember sitting there at the table going, oh my God, I'm not stupid. <laughs> like for me, this was, a, this was a true, I mean, I had, like, I'm not going to get all cheesy with you here, but I had like tears in my eyes. Yeah. It was like this moment where 
I felt like I could run with the big dogs and that all the things that I had learned and the content I'd been creating and the things that I'd been doing and the lessons I've been learning and the bankruptcy and just the, the struggle and all these other things, they, they all came to a head in this one moment where I had an opportunity and I knocked it out of the park. And it was that moment that was like a turning point for me. And since then, you know, things have exploded in great ways, but it all started with me making a decision that I'm going to walk into the punch. So I always, t- I always teach people, coach people, share with them, you know, what is that thing that you're dragging around? What's that baggage? What's that fear? You got to go, with, you got to go toe to toe with that thing. You got to deal with it once and for all. You just, you can't keep playing games with it because it's, it's keeping you from so much other success and joy and great. I mean, I look at the relationships I have now with my business partners and my clients and, and other industry partners of mine, they would not exist. I would not have, forget the money right now. I would not have the quality of relationships and depth of relationships that I have in my life right now if I did not decide to go walk into the punch and go down and do that event. So that's the second thing. And the third thing is you got you to construct your confidence. It's a daily thing. We have 70 to 90,000 thoughts a day rolling through our brain, says the brain experts. 90% of them are on autopilot and they're the same thoughts we had the day before. And those 90% of those are negative. Not this, I'm not that, I can't do this, this can't be done because we've just conditioned ourselves. And so you got to construct that confidence. And the first thing you do is you got you to put the right thoughts into your brain every day. I write things down. I am statements. One of the things I write every morning is is I'm a magnet for money and success. I have to program that in my mind because the world will tell me the opposite. Mm-hmm. So you got to take control of the thoughts that you put in your brain because those become your beliefs. Your beliefs become your actions. You'll never, you will never act in conflict with what you, what you truly believe. And then whatever you act upon becomes your results. And so it's super important to uh, construct that confidence with that. And the other would be with building your confidence, a couple other things I think be choosy who you're hanging out with. Everybody says that become the average of the people that you hang out with. Keep promises to yourself. Mm. You want to grow your confidence. If you say you're going to go lift weights at five in the morning and you don't do it, you take a brick out of your confidence wall. If you do it, you add a brick. Mm-hmm. And over time, that really defines your confidence. So it could be just a little micro commitment each and every day. Just develop the habit of, if you write down, I'm going to make five follow-up calls by 10 o'clock today, then damn it, do it. Because every time you fulfill those promises that you make to yourself, you increase your confidence. So when you combine these three things, you own your crap, you walk into the punch, and you're constantly constructing your confidence, you're going to see the compound effect of those things over time. And it's, it's pretty sweet. Awesome. Now, is there, are there, you do a lot of work on uh, mindset stuff. Are there books and stuff you recommend to people on a, on a regular basis? Oh God. <laughs> I, I listen to so many books and, and books, podcasts, recent book that I just listened to was David Goggins book called can't hurt me. Yeah. He's a Navy SEAL guy. There's all the staple books that everyone's read right now. I'm reading a book called relentless by Tim Grover okay. about the mindsets of the, uh, the most successful guys in sports and things like that. There's a book that I just read recently. You might have to bleep me out. It's called stop doing that shit <laughs> by Gary John Bishop, where he talks about how to sabotaging yourself 
I listen to podcasts like Ed Milet and the MF CEO and a number of others. So I just think I rarely listen to the radio when I'm driving down the road anymore. I'm always trying to feed my brain. That comes back to being intentional about those things that we're, we're putting into our brain. Perfect. Now, is there anything that I should ask you but didn't? Maybe the best way for the non-contractors of your audience to to work with a contractor, mm, that's you know, good. is is and, and I and I think I think it would just be, and it's not even so much like tactical stuff to work with them, but I just think an overall mindset that chances are that guys and his company aren't doing as well as his big fancy truck is going to tell you, mm. and that he's he's most likely doing a lot of things and making a lot of sacrifices that you're not aware of to bring your project in on time. He's fighting some battles that a lot of other industries don't fight. For instance, you know, for 40 something years, our country's been telling people don't go to the trades, go to college. Mm. And now we're suffering for it. And just for him to pull a team together and hit your deadline and some things like that, sometimes a real, real struggle. And so I would encourage people to just have an honest, open conversation with the contractors they're working with and give them the benefit of the doubt that they're, they're not all heathens that are going to hell. <laughs> like some people make them out to be. At the end of the day, these are guys that would lay in traffic for you and they make great sacrifices for their, in their families and their own financial security in order to deliver what they said they'd deliver for you. And, and that, the bad contractors, of course, there's bad ones, but it might be one or 2% of the guys out there that wreck it for everybody else. Hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you for that. And yeah, thank you for all the, uh, the great information you shared with us. Well, you're welcome. I, I'm looking forward to speaking with you and I appreciate you having me and you do a great job of what you do of educating the industry and helping a lot of people. Yeah, thank you. So I want to thank everyone for listening to Specify. And I also want to thank the listeners specifically that are working hard each day to change the world to make it a better place. If you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, please forward it along and send me a note or drop me a comment if you have any feedback or suggestions. Talk to you soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.